Chapter 8 of Mr. Wicker's Window by Carly Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Arthur Piantadosi in Los Angeles, California, February the 17th, 2010. Chapter 8 of Mr. Wicker's Window. Chris returned happily to his chair and curled up in it as if he were at home. Even Mr. Wicker's expression seemed to have changed, and as a matter of fact it had, for the relief and portion of content that showed now in the boy's face was reflected in some measure in that of the man. Before seating himself, Mr. Wicker ran slowly around on the tray by the pitcher. In a moment, Becky Boozer had knocked on the door and stuck her a gigantic hat through the opening. You rang, sir? She had the feathers and roses bobbing as cheerily as live things round the sweeping bin. I did, Becky. It occurred to me, said Mr. Wicker, looking sideways at Chris, that some hot chocolate for Master Christopher and coffee for me would not be amiss this hour of the morning. And, he added, seeing an interesting spark in the dog's eyes, some of your delicious little cakes, perhaps. Most certainly. Okay. Most certainly, sir. I have a chocolate hot, as it happens, and some cakes new baked. She bustled off and in no time returned with a tray of china cups, matching flowered pots for coffee and her chocolate, a bowl of sugar, and a plate piled high with cakes. From one corner, Becky pulled out a small table, which she placed between the two chairs. The tray was safely settled, a fire given a poke, and a fresh log before Mistress Boozer removed herself, and her starched dress and apron and her outrageous hat. Remember Astor's study. Now, said Mr. Wicker, pouring out the steaming drinks, we shall refresh ourselves, and you shall listen, if you will. Chris took a sip of a hot chocolate and a bite of golden cake, deciding he had never tasted better. This point decided on within himself, he gave his attention to the man across from him. I told you, Mr. Wicker said, that I was a shipowner and a merchant. That is true. But these are troubled times. A revolution has had the land in its grasp. Times are bad, and this vast land is now convulsed with the birth throes of democracy. Money is hard to come by, and much needed for general washings, and troops with farmers are all the way from their harvesting or sowing. A privilege of healing for them and for the land will be long and costly. He paused to sip his coffee and then put the stuff down. Destruction is so fast, and to construct and build, Mr. Wicker said, staring at the fire. That is what is slow. He turned to Chris. Without financial help, without money to pull the beginning of this new land and this new government that is struggling to be born, this free place and this fine democratic experiment will fail. I know of a way to save it, and you have been sent back to the past from our future, my future, and yours, and that of the land, to help us and make it real. It will not disappoint me, Christopher. Mr. Wicker turned burning eyes on Chris's face. You will help our country get its start. A wave of excitement such as he'd never known surged over Chris, and he started to his feet, almost upsetting the table and making the caps rattle on their source. Oh, yes, sir, you bet. If I can, I'll help. Mr. Wicker's face had stretched dissatisfaction. He rose, too, and held his hand. I knew you would, he said. It had to be, for it could be no other way. But there was also his doubt. Your hand, my boy, for we have work to do together. The two hands, large and small, were firm, one on the other, and this felt a new power coming to him from the man whose hand he had clasped. Listen closely, Mr. Wicker said, and Chris grew nearer. There is a wondrous thing, unique in the world, in which for the benefit of this growing country we must obtain. 
Its possession will mean we can pay for many things. A new city here. Tools. Building materials. This wonderful object is the jewel tree belonging to the Princess of China. Chris waited, listening. This jewel tree, West Overco went on, is a tree that grows and puts out leaves and flowers and bears fruit. But here is the wonder of it. And he bent his piercing eyes on Chris's intent face. This growing tree is made of jewels, leaves and flowers, and even seeded fruit. The leaves are emeralds, the flowers, diamonds and sapphires, the fruits, huge rubies seeded thick with pearls. Imagine such a treasure if you can. He spread his arms wide, and Chris's eyes were shining with excitement. Imagine the position of such a plant, Mr. Wicker went on. Break off a branch of it, another grows, and flowers and fruit, much like old orange trees to bear both their fruit and flowers at the same time. They sat down again, the better to continue their conversation. The taking of such a prize would be hard enough, Mr. Wicker continued, for it is well guarded, but there is a greater hazard. He rose from his chair to walk about in his nervousness and eagerness to what lay ahead. Then he went on. There is a man here, posing as a merchant, Claggett Chew. You will see him in the town when you walk there, which you will do presently. But he has some magic powers and knows me well, too well. Mr. Wicker shook his head and his eyes began slits of rage. We have been enemies for long, Mr. Wicker, but he has yet to get the better of me. Is he after the jewel tree, too? Most wanted to know. He is. He heard of it, by power of magic, certainly. But it's a secret so well guarded that those who carry knowledge of it, all but myself up to this time, all others have died before they could make use of it. You can well imagine, Stoker enlarged, turning his eyes to gaze to Chris, that the treasure that replenishes itself is beyond price. The Chinese emperor knows it well. So do the guards about his palaces. And so does Cleggachu. Mr. Wicker strode about, striking a closed hand to the list of one hand and the palm of the other. And Chris scrambled out of his chair to stand watching the pacing figure. And it came to Chris as he followed with his eyes the black swinging coat, the silver buckled black knee breeches, the neat white stock and black brocaded waistcoat of the magician. It came to him that he had a great confidence and affection for this man. Even knowing him as little as he did, having to take so much on trust, still, in Chris's mind, there was no smallest grain of doubt, suspicion, or distrust. He knew, without having to think it out, that Mr. Wicker was a great man, great in knowledge and in heart, reliable and kind and wise. In that moment, Chris put his full faith in the man he had not known for a day. There is one way, Mr. Wicker said, wheeling about and standing still, and that is why I need your help. He strode back across the room towards Chris. This villain, Claggett Chew, for that is what he is, no better. This villain knows me, and he knows my power. But my power will in a boy. A lad he would never suspect. Then, Mr. Wicker put both hands on Chris's shoulders and looked searchingly in. Then only would he have the opportunity to seize the jewel tree. Can you learn what I know? demanded Mr. Wicker. Can you learn my magic? M magic? stammered. Those tricks! The fly! And others? Yes, said Mr. Wicker quietly. Many more. Well, Mr. answered after a moment's thought. I got here, didn't I? I've gone back all those years, so I guess I could. He looked up with a grin. At least I can try. 
he said. Mr. Wicker gave Chris's shoulders a little shake of pride and acceptance. Good lad, he said. I know that you can learn. For you, it will not be hard. There's just one thing, Chris said, with the puzzlement in his voice. You say, sir, seize the tree. That means just stealing it? Must we do that? Mr. Wicker looked at Chris, and his face was serene and smooth, with great satisfaction of his feelings. You are the lad for me, he cried, and Chris felt himself coloring with pleasure at the tone of Mr. Wicker's voice. I knew it from the first. It would be stealing, boy, but for one thing. When, and heaven willing, if you reach the tree, you will break a branch from it and stick it in the ground. It will root itself and grow and thrive, and the princess will still have delicate general flowers for her hair. And now, he said, I smell a broiling chicken. Off you go and eat your lunch. Later we will talk again. Chris went out, smiling. End of Mr. Wicker's Window, Chapter 8.